Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. First of all, thank you so much for letting us take the week off. I know you guys don't decide that, but we appreciate it as if you did decide. We do. Because you were also nice about it. Thank so you thank for being you. nice. I have to tell you, I went to the movies, which I never do, but I had the week off. I went to the movies. It's a thousand degrees here. Went to the movies where there's air conditioning. And I saw a movie that I need to tell everyone about. Katie and I were reached out about it by the producer, Julie Cohen, who's like an internet friend of ours. Like we pretend we're friends. I might brag that we know her. She directed the RBG movie that was nominated for Oscars and stuff like that. She was one of the directors of that. So, And she was a producer on Dateline. So she directed this new movie. It's called Everybody. And so Dateline and Liz Cole, and Liz Cole, who's the head, head, head honcho at Dateline, who we also know, is one of the producers on it. And it started with this story that Keith Morrison did on Dateline years ago. So we're talking baby Keith. And that footage is in the movie. So you get to see, if you've ever wanted to see baby Keith on the big screen, who hasn't? This This is is your moment. This is the time. The time is now. Yeah. I'm telling everyone to go see it. I wept openly through the whole thing from happiness, sadness, rage, all the feelings. I left very happy. It's like life changing. It's so good. Oh, wow. Everyone should see it. Everyone that wants to be an ally, everyone that is LGBTQ plus IA. I said that in the wrong order. If you don't know what the I stands for, this is what the I stands for. Anyways, it's a Dateline movie, essentially. It's a full-on Dateline feature. It was featured, if everyone gets their newsletter every week, which we do, which tells you the story that's coming up, I highly recommend if you're not getting Dateline's e-blast. They have all of their stories that they're working on that week, and this was featured in that too. So just a little plug. Thank you, Julie. You created another masterpiece. So Go check it out, everybody. So we're covering the episode that we skipped which was the Mank episode that everyone asked us to not skip behind the closet door because they wanted to know what we thought. And I have thoughts. I'm assuming Katie has a lot of thoughts. So yes, I have some thoughts. But I do. And I um, also got Mank's thoughts because Mank was pretty candid on Twitter about how he feels, which is not normal. He normally tries to be much more vague. He's fairly candid straight up in the episode. You can tell there's some he things does have that a tone. bother him. Yes, for sure, for sure. So this episode is called Behind the Closet Door, and it is season 31, episode 25. It aired June 23rd, 2023, hosted by our beloved Mankey. And we learned that Andrea Sincata loved swimming. We're getting so much swimming B-roll. Ominous swimming B-roll. Yeah, correct. Uh, Swimming B-roll always looks ominous. Yeah, you're right. Well, even at the Olympics, you think so? If it's B-roll, it looks ominous. If it's if you're watching somebody compete just in live video feed, that's fine. If it's shot in any kind of an artistic way, mm-hmm. there's something about swimming the that stroking. seems sinister. A, a few things. Or doing the spin at the end of the pool when you oh, spin yeah, around and bubbles, go back the other way, yeah. diving in. There's, yeah, I mean, me personally have always had a huge phobia about the filter at the bottom of the pool. I thought right. it was going to suck me in. I could never go near it, which was compounded when I saw this movie recently where these two girls are trapped underneath the metal cover of a pool. 
Do you know which movie I'm talking about? I don't, but I would understand that. These women get trapped by a sadistic killer underneath a cover, a metal cover, in a like wreck pool. That's bad. What movie it's is that? The one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and I maybe sh- we should cover it. Was it a saw? It's like a saw. It's like was cr- made by Hulu or something, or it's it was bought by Hulu for very little money to air on Hulu. Ouch! Scathing review. Scathing. Yeah, it was so bad that I went on Rotten Tomatoes to see what other people thought. Okay, so this is about Andrea Sincata. She loved swimming. She went every day. She also loved reading and became a librarian. Which we learn about from her, one of her best friends, a gentleman named Kermit. Kermit Fraser. I'm obsessed. Yeah, it's beautiful. He's a, he he's great. is so dignified looking, especially for a Kermit. He should maybe have his own show or just a documentary about his life. I'm the fine Kermit. With that. Life clutch. of Kermit. Life of Kermit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. So. In 1998, Andrea was living in Arlington, Virginia with her boyfriend, Chris Johnson. And we're meeting not Chris. We never meet Chris. We are meeting her grown-up son, Kevin, who was also like in his early 20s at that time. And Andrea had a different schedule that day. She usually worked full-time at the library, but that day she had the day off, kind of. She went swimming, and then she went to the library for like a couple hours, and then she went home, and she was going to meet her friend for lunch. But she doesn't show up for lunch. But it's very important to know that this schedule was different. Why was this day different from all other days? And who knew that it was different from all other days? That will be important. very important. So we're hearing all these messages on the machine that were saved all this time from Chris, who is trying to reach her. Hi, it's me. I'm going to be home at around five. Are we going to the movies? Another message. Hi, it's me. It's after five. I'm leaving now. I have a couple of things to pick up. Hi, it's me. It's 539. I am leaving Home Depot now. Well, then why did you say you were leaving just after nine, Chris? A, you need to stick to a schedule, buddy. B, you're a stage five clinger. C, you don't have to announce, hi, it's me, because you two are the only ones that live in that house. So what are you, what is he doing? What is the few things he has to pick up is it at home depot he works at home depot yeah so i was really Why is confused he pick, is he going shopping there after i have to pick a few things up at this is the call right after nine i have and to pick a few it, things up who also says it's five thirty nine? someone who has a watch that checks their watch <laughs> it's five thirty. okay maybe i guess yeah if you have a digital watch a digital watch and you're checking it's five thirty nine. It. it's five thirty nine. right you that's I will the be only home time. in 4.5 minutes so I'm guessing that he, the Home Depot is in some sort of a mini mall where there's other things oh, around maybe. it. So he had to go pick up a few things at a store nearby. So he just walked and then walked back to his car in the Home Depot parking lot and then said, okay, I'm calling again because now I'm done picking up those couple of random things, whatever. I want to know what the things were. That's the smartest thing you've ever said. That makes perfect sense. It's and I definitely think of it. not. It's I didn't not. think of it. But there's a Home Depot near me that's in a huge center that's with it. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So he gets home. He sees that Andrea's car is not there and the door is unlocked when it normally would be locked. He doesn't see her anywhere. He has a snack, takes a shower, does some laundry. Now, it's important to note that Chris is not the one telling us 
about this. It is Andrea's son, Kevin, and Mank who are telling us, which is very sus, that we're not getting to hear from Chris about his movements. So Chris starts to get worried about where Andrea is. So he calls around, can't locate her. He even calls a hospital to see if there was an accident. So you think very worried, but then he falls asleep, which is confusing. So, but also I know that adrenaline can make people really sleepy afterwards. So, but I just don't know how worried his level of concern is very strange to me because he was nervous enough to call a hospital, but then he fell asleep. Correct. It doesn't line up. At 1.30 a.m., he wakes up and sees that the closet door, her closet door that's normally open, it was closed. So he goes and he opens the closet door and he finds Andrea laying dead on some boxes. My God. He calls 911. And this call is definitely suspicious. This is a bad call. It's a bad call. And it I know I'm sounding very ever... negative on Chris, and I don't mean to because my opinion is actually very fluid on Chris, but the call is very sus. I don't have a line on Chris. He's very hard to read because his personality is so laid back and low key, or at is least that according it? to everyone. Okay. According to Kevin, who lived with him for many years, he's very laid back. And he sounds laid back on the call. So are you thinking maybe he's just a Nelson Sessler type person from Sheila Davalu, who's just very kind of monotone? And I don't think Nelson Sessler would have sounded like this on the 911 call. Nelson Sessler fell asleep after they found his girlfriend's body in the cop car. But that sort of almost makes more sense than this 911 call. I'll have to go back in. Did he make a 911 call, Sessler? I got to go back. Okay. This is another uh, case we're talking about. Sorry, it's Sheila, Sheila Davalu, and you're not an OG if you don't know. We've covered her twice. Obsessed. I don't know. The call, this, is, this is odd. The call is very odd. He's saying, like, I need an officer. I thought my girlfriend was missing. We were supposed to go out tonight, but I figured I'd just give her some time. I think she's dead. He does so much talking before the, like, help me. There's no help me. And slowly. So slowly. Slowly. And he goes into all these details, but he does that later, too, where he goes into all these extraneous details that no one cares about. How were people on the internet with this? I think they thought he was very strange. This is just, this is a bizarre reaction. Yeah. But the best part of the call is that she, he says, I think she's dead. And the 911 lady goes, you think so? (laughs) Like they're, like they're gossiping. And he just said, Kelly just stole my turkey club from the break room fridge. You think so? Like gossiping, but not even that interesting of gossip. Just like, you think so? I think she meant to put the emphasis on, you think she's dead? <laughs> I think it meant to be, oh, you, you think? think so? I, that is where the emphasis is supposed to be. It just, maybe it's not relaying in the phone call. <laughs> that's all. Because I know what she was doing. The minute she said it, I was like, oh, that doesn't, that's not sounding like how you think it is in your head. <laughs> but also, the, it's a weird end to the story that he's telling. The story that he's telling is like, I thought I'd give her some space, which sounds like they may have been fighting. That's right. like sort of a fighting or moment. Because and there's this other backstory that a friend had just gotten some health news. So like maybe they thought well, we don't she know was that with yet. this friend. No, we oh, maybe we don't. 
So maybe give her some time meant like I'd give her some time with her friends or it could be. Yeah, they were fighting. But the 911 caller doesn't know any of that. So no. he's just saying, I just thought I would give her her time or give her time. Sir, and then, what and do you need says, from me? And then it's like, but I opened the closet. I found I opened the closet doors like the, it's almost like that mm-hmm. the 911 caller is supposed to already kind of know that they usually leave the closet door open. But instead, it was right. closed and he opened it. <laughs> and there she was. Right. And then so for the end of the story to be that I think she's dead is who doesn't start the story sort of with shocking. that? Well, also, start if you just the story, if you just think she's dead means you might be able to save her, sir. Which means you have wasted a minute and a half describing that you could have been doing CPR. Yeah. So that's why I also think the 911 caller, I think they have, it's like two lanes converge on a 911 call. Yeah. Can you help the person? Right. Or are they beyond help? And that's right. two different sets of phone calls. Priorities uh-huh. not, maybe it's going to be fire and not paramedics yes. or whatever. Regardless, this is... I think the 911 caller, what we're hearing is her being, the operator being, the dispatcher is shocked. Yeah. She's like, wait, I'm so sorry. Why did you tell me about going to the movies? What movie you were going to see? I didn't need to hear all that. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So Um, we do meet this retired homicide detective who wasn't there that night, and I'm he studied the case file and I'm already rolling my eyes because you know I hate that. But then we find out later that he was kind of involved in the case. So then I was Jim, less mad. Yeah, he's not bad. His name is Jim Trainum. Yeah. And so at first I was down on you, Jim, and I apologize, but I I'm fine with you now. His hair is glorious. I, I His hair that. is, he looks like a mad scientist, kind of. He looks what I want a retired detective to look like who now still goes and digs into cold cases and maybe solves some. He yeah. Feels like, I feel like he solves crimes. and spent, But he does on his weekends go to the sea because he, yeah. he gets a lot of sun. Be honest. If we were trying to solve a crime and we needed to hire someone, you would feel good if we walked into the office and he was there. Yeah, I'd feel good. Yeah, yeah I'd be good. In a so, turtleneck, you'd be like, yes, absolutely. You're going to solve the crime. So police noticed that the apartment had been vacuumed and a roll of quarters, a jar of coins, Andrea's purses are gone and her car. I have so many questions. Number one, Chris noticed that a roll of quarters was gone, but didn't notice that his girlfriend was dead in the closet. B... Did someone murder Andrea for a roll of quarters? Is this like that episode where the lady called the police to file a police report because the change was stolen from her car console? Are we too when hard on that lady? When she left the car unlocked. Are we too hard on that lady? Someone she left did, the car unlocked, But someone Katie. did violate her privacy. They did go she into her car. She made a police report. If she someone did died because police were busy... Because of the 76 cents that got stolen from her console. Well, we can make the same argument here for Chris calling and telling a story before getting to the point. And I think we did make that point that that was wrong. He wasted a lot of time. Wow. I don't, how much is a roll of quarters? I'm forgetting. I used to roll quarters like a lot and now I just have them in bags. $25? $20? Yeah, it is like 20, it is 20 or $25. It's not that much. Was it multiple rolls of, but then there was another thing of change. So there is no useful DNA or fingerprints at the scene, and they don't know if it was robbery. Some things are stolen, but some things weren't stolen. She had jewelry on her that was left, for example, but her car is gone. 
Her son, Kevin, is in shock. Now, the at- car being gone is weird. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's very strange. So they uh, did take a big item. So yeah. they took a roll of quarters because it was there and some change because it was there. And purses, Which makes thinking- you think like young teens or something, but then they stole a car. Well, purses also is odd. Th- unless- but I don't think they were designer purses. No, I think they took the to see because sometimes people keep things in old purses, registrations or things like that, maybe identity stuff. Took a lot of purses and then, but really, what is usually in old purses is change. So change. That's what I it's also more think change. Okay, they just so wanted change. This person, yeah. Katie, wants, where were you in 1998? Wants to see the change in the world. So, anyways, then, but then they took the biggest item, which is yeah, the her car. car. Yeah. So. So her son, Kevin, is in shock, as is her friend Kermit and her friend Sally. Now, Sally, I'm sure you are very nice, but you are getting overshadowed because there's a man named Kermit. So who has a, like a twinkle in his eye. And he we, does. We He's super twinkly. Yeah, we yeah. need to know more. So and, and also seem to really, really care. Yeah. About Andrea. So did Sally. But her name is Sally. Sally. It's Sally not Kermit. Too. I'm not going to be as excited. Sally's still a great name, though. Yeah, I'm not mad at either of them. They can, she can be, she can be on his show sometimes. Yeah. So suspect number one is Andrea's ex-husband Howard. Mink says to him, "You're married. You've got a good job. You've got a baby. Something goes wrong here." Now, in in 48 hours, the host would just say, "Why did you get divorced from Andrea?" But Mink has to do it in a funny, cheeky way. He's got a flair. Yeah. So it turns out Howard cheated. And that's why he and Andrea got divorced. And when Andrea's son, Kevin, was 15, she met Chris and they all moved in together. And Kevin was 24 when she was killed. So that means that she and Chris were together for about nine years or so. That's a long time. And they never got married. That's a long time. So in 1998, around the time of the murder... Howard, she was having some trouble with, her ex. He was asking her to take a smaller amount of his retirement money than she was entitled to. And she was angry about it. This made him have to postpone his retirement, so he was also angry about it. I would be pissed. Imagine you get to retire, and then you have to wait another like year or multiple years. So... There was Imagine a lot of- that you're married with a baby and you're home taking care of the baby and he cheats on you. Yeah, that's and true. Maybe the decision to stay at home wasn't entirely what you wanted to do. That's true. And then he cheats on you. Good point. Good way to put it in perspective, Katie. I could see where she might dig her heels in a little bit. Yeah, it sounded like she was. She was like, we're going to court. I'm not taking a penny less than I am owed. It also feels like he's retiring early, very early, because she was Mm -hmm. 52. How old was she? Yeah. 53. 52. Yeah. mm -hmm. So how much older than Andrea was I don't know, but it's been 20 plus years, and we're meeting Howard, and he doesn't seem to be that old. So It feels like he's retiring in his 50s. Yeah. So I could see her digging her heels in. Yeah. She's expecting this money for maybe another decade. Yeah. And he's like, eh, you know, I could retire if I didn't have to pay her this money. Right. But I, so maybe I'll just ask her. Yeah. Because then I could retire. But she didn't take it well. So they are 
upset at each other. But Howard has an alibi, which was he was camping in rural Maryland. Now, Maryland is quite close to Virginia. So I want to know who else was camping with him. Are we sure he was camping the whole time? Are we sure this is airtight? Mank says it's airtight, but I have questions. Oh, okay. About Howard. All right. Alternate suspect. Oh, Howard. So, Sorry, that was terrible. It's not the end for Howard. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I never saw that even that movie, but I'm going to make Hopkins, a joke right? out of it. I don't know. Okay. Never saw it. Great. We're doing so it. police looked at son Kevin also, who had an alibi, and he and his mom were like obsessed with each other. I think they were extremely close. She would constantly brag about how smart, how clever, how handsome he was. And I was like, ugh. I'm going to say Kevin looks smart. Yeah, Kevin I, does. I, if I were to see Kevin on the street and then Kevin were to speak to me, I'd be like, oh, he's smart. He's smart. So now they turn to boyfriend Chris, who has a mustache. That's literally all we know about him because we're not meeting him. We're only seeing these photos that appear to be quite old so from like the 90s. Kevin says he was kind of nerdy. He called himself an engineer, but he was actually a geologist who worked at engineering firms. And also Home Depot? Question mark? Did anyone understand how a geologist who he works at in engineering rece- firms? And what does working and receiving mean at Home Depot? That means you unload are, the are you packages. Stocking? Yeah. You so unload are you working the for Home Depot or are you working for a different? It sounds like a temp job. It does. Was Maybe he's he trying to break? make extra money. Was he? Yeah. Was this like a holiday break thing or was he on sabbatical? What? Why, maybe I don't he also understand. just had two jobs. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he had just had two jobs. Yeah, that's a really good question because I didn't think about that. Yeah, Weird. I was very confused. Yeah, that but is confusing. But he was, Kevin says Chris was a great stepfather type figure. He taught him how to drive. They all got along really well. Chris and Andrea were building a dream vacation house together. She had put in half the money and was helping to build it. And Kevin says that his mom wore the pants in the family. She did 90% of the talking. Chris was very passive and very laid back. Police thought he was too laid back, especially on that 911 call. For sure. They wonder, how did it take him so long to notice the body? He was there for seven hours before he noticed the body. And then Mank goes on location to the apartment where new people live now, he has to tell us. It's been like 25 years. He's like, this is the same apartment. New people live here. And he does a walkthrough, which I would be so excited. Is this the first? Sorry, this is new. Actually, I would be terrified. I don't want Mank in my apartment. He, uh, no, my apartment is not. not Mank ready at all. Absolutely not. No. Hold on. My apartment is barely cat ready. <laughs> so what other time has he done this? Done a walk? We haven't seen this in a minute, if we've seen it at all. Right, because, well, for COVID, it was mostly, you know, not on location shots, but to see him going into the apartment. He was told us in our last interview, he's excited to get back out there and do these. He did. He was. The, you know, the only other time I, I can think of him doing it is Sherry, not Sherry. It was the police officer that was ended up being the murderer in Los yeah. Angeles. Do you remember? It yes. was a woman. I think he was in that apartment, but that's the only other. This isn't a normal Dateline thing where they go. No. To the, yeah. Interesting. Andrea, I feel like, goes to the apartments a lot more. Yes. Even Dennis. I mean, Mank, it just doesn't. Interesting. So Mank is showing us around the apartment and he says it's less, it's small, less than 900 square feet. And I fell off my couch because I was under the impression 
that my apartment was like 900 square feet. No, Kimberly. Under my no, yours is barely 550. Is no, I think my apartment's yeah, like like 500. I think it's fine. I think it's always been 5. I think it's always been and 5. And I think that and your I'm friends just, encourage you to it. to look elsewhere where bathrooms are, you know, showers are human size. The sized. shower Katie can't fit in my shower. I cannot fit tall. in Kimberly. That um, tells you what's happening. It's a one bedroom and this apartment is a two bedroom and my whole living room and kitchen would fit in this kitchen. So Easily. I was just shooketh. Like, I'm sorry. So Chris was there in remember in this 900 square foot two bedroom mm-hmm. house apartment for not six, 7 hours before finding the body. But honestly, I don't go in my closet because it's just overwhelming right now so i might not go in it for seven hours and not notice no that that kind of makes sense to me if he's sort of an unassuming guy that just like he's doing his thing boopity boop the thing that gets me about this that's kind of important is we when do we find out about the hampers how soon is that soon okay so when we get there i'll tell you what the problem i have with this is because so, otherwise, I didn't think it was weird that he didn't go in the closet. I didn't right. think it was weird that he noticed the closet door was closed and right. it's normally open. Mm-hmm. I am trying to reorganize and downsize. So I'm going through my closet. So this episode was super apt for me. Good. So everyone is, meanwhile, also looking for Andrea's car. Ever, like police officers are looking for it. People are driving around looking for it. Now, guess who finds the car? On the ride home from his police interrogation, Chris is the one who finds the car. And he calls Kevin and says, now they're really going to think I did it. This makes me look so guilty. Now, let's just say he did it, okay? Would he tell them he saw the car? Would he take that route where he knows the car is parked? Or would he go another way? Or would he just drive by it and not tell the police he saw it? If he did it and hid the car, why would he alert them to the car? Why would he hide the car? Why would he hide the car? And leave the body in the house. Yeah. The body would be in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And if he did it, why would he tell them, I found the car? Correct. But why did he also call 911 and tell a long story about, I'm giving her time? Yeah. He's different. There's there's questionable things happening sort of all over. There are no fingerprints on the car, like someone had wiped it down. The clutch is burned out, like someone had trouble with the stick shift. Now, anyone who has listened to my coverage of The Amazing Race on Patreon and Supercast knows that the number one thing you do when you are going on The Amazing Race is you learn how to drive a stick shift. Correct. And now I I am saying, even Katie knows that. Mm -hmm. And I... I'm now saying that murderers should do that as well before they murder someone. I think we should also add that you get hypnotized for heights. You try to do a hypnosis to get over your fear of heights. Great idea. Why not? Just I don't want to be the one that stands in the way of my team winning a million dollars because of my fear of heights. So police interview Chris again. He tells them everything that he did that night. And by that, I mean literally everything. Mank refers to it in granular detail. <laughs> it really is. And it's not an exaggeration. So he's like telling them about how he did laundry. I got the detergent. I picked up all the laundry baskets, held it to one side. Then I dropped the bottom one. The bottom one is the blue one. The other one is the white one. Every I grabbed the last A&W root beer. I ate approximately three, I mean four crackers. Did you crumble crackers in it? Stop it. 
He is the guy who my roommate was dating and they would talk during college on the phone. What kind of soup you had? Did you crumble crackers in it? What kind of crackers did you have? Did you I like tell it? that story so many more times than you know. <laughs> in like out off, off off of the podcast? Just in the world. Mm-hmm. I would listen. I would be doing my homework and I would be listening and I would want to cry. Did you, you have crackers with your soup? <laughs> Did Bear you in mind, in soup? he had just left our apartment and walked to his apartment that was one block away. Are they both Ate still alive? His soup. They're married with children now. Beautiful children, beautiful Not family. Not on Dateline. What? Not on Dateline, no. Wow. And he ate his soup and crackers, and then they discussed it on the phone while I listened and cried. So I want to talk about the opposite of crumbling soup into your crackers. An exciting meal, bringing some excitement to your food with HelloFresh. Yes. HelloFresh will help you create meals that if I'm eavesdropping, I won't want to scream from boredom. You want to scream yum. Yum. HelloFresh sends farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered to your door and they have you covered for all of summer from your family dinners to your entertainment needs. They have something called a backyard bratwurst bar, which I do. I love the alliteration. I'm into it. Key lime pie for desserts. Done. Everything summer. They have HelloFresh meals that you can get. They also have this HelloFresh market, which has over 100 items. They have convenience items and grocery store items. So they can have you completely covered. Wow. Breakfast all the way up, entertaining, everything. Also, convenience is like a seductive word for me. Yeah. Convenience. I love that word. Yeah. Also, they still have their classic dinners that are amazing. You will never get bored eating your three, I mean four crackers. They have 40 recipes to choose from every week. I love their dinners because they're so easy and hearty. They stop me ordering so much takeout. Some of their recipes take 15 minutes or less, and it's 25% cheaper than takeout. And I need to save my money because I just learned that my apartment is maybe 150 square feet. Because my apartment is so small and so hot in the summer, if I turn the oven on, it feels like the surface of the sun. So I'm loving more of their cooler dishes right now, like this hummus and cucumber salad pita pockets for lunch. 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Vegan spicy buffalo chickpea sandwiches. 10 minutes. Yeah. How, How do you beat that? You don't. It's it. It's the thing. Come on. Yeah. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Dateline50 and use code Dateline50 for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash Dateline50 and use code Dateline50 for 50% off plus free shipping. Woo! Come on. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit, not just in summer, but all year round. Summer, summer, summertime. Get fresh. Thank you, HelloFresh. Thank you, HelloFresh. So back to the case. After Chris woke up from his strange nap that he took after calling hospitals to see if his girlfriend was there, he wakes up from a strange nap, looks for her, and finds her body in the closet. And Mank asks us, are you buying this story? Because police aren't. Police go to the scene and they realize the laundry baskets are on either side of the closet door. The hampers are. So that means... He would have had to walk by the closet doing the laundry. But the hampers are on either side, not the baskets. But that once you get, so did he get the clothes out of the hampers and put them in the baskets? 
So you must have noticed if you're doing laundry like you're supposed to do laundry, which is fill up the laundry basket from the hamper. Right. Take the basket to the thing. I don't do any. This of is that. how grownups do it. I don't do it. Yeah, none I'm of using that. Like a Usually, trash bag. I'm about to hurt myself on stairs carrying it in my arms. I'm yeah. Not, I just don't. I, I also don't have fun- laundry in this apartment or in this apartment right. building. If he's got Kimberly's apartment is the size of a walnut. So if, <laughs> if she literally lives in a thimble. Okay. So if you. If you have the laundry basket and you're going into the laundry room and you're filling it from those hampers, those hampers guaranteed are generally in that closet, right? That closet looked really full. So I don't know if it was if they I think they might have lived outside the closet. They might. Okay, so that would be the question. If the hampers were removed to place Andrea in the Mm. closet. So that's going to be the question you need to ask Chris. Where do you keep your hampers? Because at that point, if the hampers are out of the closet, you would totally notice and be like, okay, hold on a second. Why are the hampers out? And then what's what's taking up room in the closet? And the door is closed. Yeah. Right. But if the hampers are always outside, I could actually still seeing him not really notice that the door is closed. I could see that too. But it is- He sounds a bit like one of those absent-minded scientist guys. We know one who is like super smart about certain things, but then- can't spell that well or just might not notice that you've dyed your hair black. Lots of things. It's endearing. It is endearing. It's incredibly endearing. But, unless um, you're a murderer. Incredibly infuriating and endearing at the same time. This is kind of bizarre where you literally are in the vicinity of the closet no matter what. Right. So he sa- So they're asking him, you know, did you see her in the closet? And he says, from what I know... I didn't know if she was in the closet. And the detective says, what do you mean If from what you know? Why are you qualifying it like that? Oh, and no. he says, well, the police told me that my fingerprints are on her body and that the time of her death was after I got home. Oh, boy. So I don't know. Fingerprints on her neck does not jive with what I believe happened. And Mank says what he believed happened? Didn't he know? What exactly was going on here? We are watching the same show as you make. You're supposed to tell us what's happening. I am thinking that we are about to watch a false confession. That's what I'm going to tell you right now, what I think is happening. That's what I thought, too. So Chris says, I don't remember placing her in the closet, but based on what I've been told in this building by police, I can draw no other conclusion. Scientists speak. They said my fingerprints are on her body. I must have put her in the closet, but so unemotional. And police say, why don't you like imagine what you think could have happened that night, which I was rolling my eyes. I do not like this. This is how Ryan Ferguson got put in prison. This is how a lot of Brian Dassey, Brandon Dassey, it's that let's do it like a dream. Let's say you're dreaming and you killed them. How would it go if you killed them? Like in your dream, let's just say. I don't like this. Okay. What? We're not going to get into our discussion again because we just had this discussion about police lying. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's wrong. If you would like to reference that, you can I think it's wrong. The innocence power check thinks it's wrong. I think it's wrong for them to be able to lie about, I'm going to be very specific, about evidence they do not have. Yes. I don't think they can say your fingerprints were on her. Right. That's a lie. I don't think you can do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can, but you're saying you don't think they should be able to. Can right now. Yeah. That should be something that is re-looked at. 
Yes. I think. Like because they I think have it does in other lead, countries. I think it does lead to false confessions with certain personalities. Yes. 100%. It's very clear that Chris has never watched a crime show. It's Absolutely. really obvious. Get a lawyer, Chris. Chris Stop does talking. not know that. And no, Chris is also no taking everything they're saying incredibly literally. Well, they told me, so it must be true. Correct. Also, this is 98. This is right. before the huge rise in CSI and DNA and crime shows and all of that. Did you see a TV in their apartment in the pictures? He, Yeah, they both like to read a lot. So I don't know. So we don't know ever. what's going on, right? We yeah. just don't. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him, but he does seem to believe them. He doesn't seem to know that they could lie to him exactly. at all. Yeah. And so this is going to be a problem because now he's trying to figure out how this happened mm -hmm. if he did it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, it's not lying to him by getting him to tell a story, by getting him to do this technique. The dangerous part about this technique is because it's spawned from all this other stuff. If they weren't allowed to lie to him about DNA and stuff like that, getting him to weave a story of how he possibly did it doesn't seem that bad. But because he's trying to figure out how his DNA could have gotten there, then mm -hmm. this becomes bad, right? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, think, I th kind of think it's bad either way, but... Why? It, because some personality types just can be easily manipulated into stuff like this. They can almost be picturing it. If they're like, picture what it would be like, they'd be like, maybe I did do it. It seems really realistic the way they're describing it and the way I'm describing it. Like, I'm saying it's going to be hard to get police to maybe stop doing stuff like that, but it might, detectives might be able to just stop lying, lying about, about evidence. Certain things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. The one detective who is the retired one says when he watches these tapes, he says it's very old school. But right. that doesn't mean they don't still do it. They still fully still do it. And but do certain is, departments do yeah. certain different, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm curious. Hmm. So right. Mank says this is when the interview went through the looking glass. Yeah, it really Chris did. Chris says, I hit her. And they say, okay, how did you hit her? And he says, across the neck. And he's miming, hitting, but he's like, I slapped her like with my open hand. And she fell and hit her head. And I reached for a pulse and there wasn't one. Like it makes no sense. Like you slap someone across the neck and they just like spontaneously die or they just hit their head and spontaneously die from a slap on the neck. And you like people are just going around slapping each other's necks. If you so, watch no other part of this Dateline, watch this because it is the oddest it's so sort weird. of story. He's got his, he's moving his hands in a very odd way. It's like he's as in though a trance. he's trying to imagine or it's almost like what's the people in the park that they used to do yeah, it in Tai Chi. Tai he's Chi. like doing Tai Chi. Where you're, it's that, it's sort of in slow-mo yeah. and it's like feeling, it's almost an acting exercise where you're yeah. like feeling the and space the around you. And the detective is sitting me... so close to him and they're, it's like they're in it together, like their bodies are moving. It's, <laughs> it's so weird. Kind of. And they also brought in a female detective a fe at that who's point. very gentle with him. Very which I find, gentle. yeah, interesting. It's and he does seem very a little dazed, and so he does. It's, it's strange. So then we get this amazing shot where we're in a room with monitors on the wall, where police outside of the interrogation room would watch 
the interrogation on the monitors and mm-hmm. we're seeing Mank on the monitors because yeah. he's in the interrogation room. So there's multiple Manks around the screens. And then it's suspect Mank and he's in a pinstripe suit and a pink hanky. And then the cameraman walks into the interrogation room and breaks the fourth wall. And then Mank starts talking directly to the camera. It was chef's kiss. You know, like Johnny on the spot, the yeah. reporter that's like everywhere. This is Joshy on the spot. It totally is. Anywhere yeah. you turn in this episode, he's like, he's and I'm here scene. and yeah. I'm here. Meanwhile, when the Declaration of Independence was signed and he's like, by I the, thought he was going to be in the, in the Home Depot. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You so, know what? If we do, if we, he lets us do the JFK walkthrough, we'll have to go to the grassy knoll. Oh, for sure. Because he's, yeah, yeah he'll have I want to be Mick on the scene and us to do a full collab on JFK. He's going to teach us all his theories. Yeah, I have a few of my own, so I would like to compare and contrast. I'm ready. So Mank is reminds us that in the U.S. they can lie about evidence to get a confession, and they are lying that there were his fingerprints on her body and about the time of death, that it happened after he got home. Chris says that she fell and hit her head, but then this is before they get the autopsy results in. They get the autopsy results in, and she died of strangulation, not head injury. So they're like, whoops, maybe that confession wasn't great. They also realized that she probably died before 1 p.m. because she missed that lunch appointment with her friend. And Chris was at Home Depot the entire day. His coworkers say he never left. Why does he work at Home Depot when he's a geologist who works for engineering companies? That's the real question. The other real question is, why is the friend's message so passive aggressive when we didn't talk about it? (laughs) It's 2 p.m., just hoping hope, everything's okay. Hope you're okay. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> but has to say the time. It's 2 p.m. If you left me that message, we may never speak again. <laughs> you I, would never You would you never leave me If you stood me up for then. lunch. I did? No, if you did, I'm saying. Well, if it was me, it might be, you know, you would be like, you forgot. Didn't, like, yeah, something, you forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or I got the day wrong. Like, yeah. it was actually Tuesday, but I right. still thought it was Monday. Yeah. But like the... That message for your librarian friend, <laughs> you should be worried. I feel like a librarian would be there if she said she was going to be there. Yeah, I think Andrea was very responsible. So what kind of guilt trip is that? Yeah. That's friend. 2 p.m. Hope everything's okay. I'll Hope talk to you okay. later. I waited. Thumbs down. Yeah. So Andrea's son, Kevin, is so sure that Chris, his kind of stepdad, is innocent. He thinks... It is the computer guy. Nick, what's his, the company computer guy? Sorry, you're not an SNL person. I know uh, what that is. Yeah, okay. I know. I know exactly what it that is. It was Jimmy. So she, he thinks it's the computer guy. Andrea had met this computer guy, in quotes, several weeks before her murder. She was walking outside of her house. She sees this huge truck that says Truck Trash Masters, and which turns out to be an apt title. And there is a guy there who seemed very nice. And she said, hey, I have this computer I'm trying to get rid of. And he said, oh, we don't recycle computers, but I would love to take your old computer. So she invites him into the house when she's home alone and gives him the computer. Chris wasn't there that day, never met this guy. But a couple days later, Andrea had talked to the guy and he was having trouble setting up the computer. So she asked Chris because he's a geology engineer, can you call him and help him set up the computer? And so Chris called the guy. 
Now, Kevin, the son, is like, why were you doing this for this stranger? But this is just the way Andrea was. So he tells the police all about the computer guy. But they say, no, it's Chris. We've eliminated the computer guy. But they don't tell him how they eliminated him. And they tell him, stop asking questions. It's Chris. Kevin is very frustrated with the police. A year passes. Kevin is 25 years old now. He hires a PI. The PI finds out the name of the computer guy. And Mank says the computer guy could have been called the criminal guy. What? Mank. So the computer guy slash criminal guy is Bobby Joe Leonard, who is a sex offender. And we Uh meet this local reporter, except we are in a major metropolitan area. So he's a reporter for the Washington Post, which is usually local reporters work for like smells like cow poop town gazette. And he's like, I work for the Washington Post. Ever heard of it? And his name, hold on, is Tom Jackman. Thank you. So he says Bobby Joe was in and out of prison for robbing and assaulting. He happened to be out when Andrea was murdered and less than a week later was arrested again for assaulting his wife. Wow. He convinces police that it wasn't me. And I don't know how. He gives them DNA and fingerprints, although they didn't really have any good prints or DNA. But he convinces them it's not him. Nine Um, months. We heard him talk. It makes sense to me that he convinced them. Kevin tells us that he's very charming. He can talk. Yeah. So he, nine months later, attacks a 13-year-old girl. And guess Uh. where he places her? In the closet. Uh. So Kevin begs the police, look at this monster. He is a monster. And he met my mom just a couple weeks before she died. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? And they say, you can't make us. They say, we, you know, we, it's not him. We, do, we know it's not him. We know all about him. It's not him. And Kevin calls it breathtaking incompetence. And he's furious at the police. I would be mm-hmm. too. So Kevin takes a time off work and goes to Bobby Joe's trial for that 13-year-old girl assault. And Bobby Joe is representing himself. Which is where we learn that Kevin says he is quite charming and he gets why his mom let him in the house and befriended him. Yeah. Kevin's dad, who was camping at the time, remember? I haven't forgotten about you, Howard. Mm -hmm. He tells Kevin, you need to just move on with your life. You need to let this go. But Kevin can't. He is obsessed with getting justice for his mom. He takes up running to deal with his frustrations and he does a bunch of marathons. His personal marathon is to find his mom's killer. Which reminds me of the journey that June is on in June's Journey. Oh, boy. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game that everyone is loving, including my sister-in-law and her mom and now me. It's so much fun. And like all of our listeners. So many listeners are like, you haven't played June's Journey? Where have you been, Kimberly? Mm -hmm. It's a detective story set in the glamorous 1920s. Basically, you play as June Parker, who's fabulous and wears 1920s hats, and she's trying to solve the murder of her sister and brother-in-law, and there's so much intrigue. There are so many family secrets. 
It yes. is so much fun. My favorite part of the game are the visuals because it starts off, you're in like the clue house, essentially. You're like, there's the conservatory. I'm mm. finding clues in the conservatory. And then you're eventually like the parlors of New York and the sidewalks of Paris. And you're Ooh. on a train and you're in an art gallery. It's like the most glamorous places ever in the 1920s. And the twists that I will not speak of, let's just say... Mind blown, you're finding hidden objects and secret notes, and you're finding things like peacock feathers and an old creepy rocking horse and yes. an accordion and things like that. And I used some word the other day for something old fashioned, like a <laughs> Victrola or something. And oh, yeah. my sister-in-law goes, oh, I know what that is from June's Journey. Uh. <laughs> and I felt like, yes, Victrola. It wasn't Victrola, but it was something like that. Was it an ear horn? <laughs> Hello? Hello. Yeah. So my favorite part might be the murder part. You know, I love a murder part. I know I said yeah. before the visuals, but now I'm saying murder. The mystery, the mystery of it all. A mystery before bed really soothes my mind. Yeah. yeah. And I thought the game would end once this first murder was kind of solved. But I have now, I don't want to say much more, but I've like gotten to that part and there's all this new stuff. Uh -huh. There's still all these new plots and stuff happening. It's very cool. It's a great game to play by yourself, but you can also play against other people by joining a detective club and playing in a detective league. Yes, you heard that right. Yes. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android, which means my Android people unite. Ooh. Turn up that old Victrola, gonna dance the night away. Thank you so much, June's Journey. I cannot wait to start my mysterious journey with June. Yes. Katie, speaking of timeless glamour of the 1920s and beyond, can you mm -hmm. tell us about bass? I can tell you about traveling in style and traveling in the antithesis of style. Look, I wish that traveling was always glamorous, but the fact of the matter is that we've all been here trying to fit every single item you think you might need for a trip into your suitcase, only to end up with the suitcase either bursting at the seams. Kimberly, I'm looking at you. Oh my God. How many zippers have I broken? Or you take out half of what you packed because you're worried about weight, only to find that when you get to where you're going, you've actually removed the items that you actually did mean to pack. Those are the items oh. that were taken out for space. I've done that, I think, thrice. It's bad. When you are a problematic packer, like me, you need to start at the base of the issue. And I'm talking travel in style with base accessories. Your travel bag, your suitcase, these are the all-important items that make the difference between an easy trip and a frustrating trip. Mm -hmm. With base, there is room for everything. 15 pairs of underwear for a weekend trip? Oh, yeah. No problem. Deciding between flats or heels, not sure what everyone else is going to be wearing? Bring both with Baze. Baze was created by actress Shay Mitchell of Pretty Little Liars. She was in one of my boss's movies. She's a beautiful lady. She's a nice lady, too. And I would like to think that I look like her when I travel. I don't, but I want to be stylish like that. So I love that she created this yeah. line. She created base to make sleek and affordable bags, luggage, and accessories designed to help you travel effortlessly while still looking fashionable like Shay Mitchell. 
Base has thought of everything that you could ever want in a piece of luggage. 360 degree gliding wheels, my favorite, a cushioned handle, which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. They have a built-in weight indicator, which is incredibly helpful. Genius. Washable bags for your dirty clothes and all the interior pockets that you need to keep organized. Their luggage comes in multiple sizes and colors. And for shorter trips, they have a weekender bag that is super functional. And it even has a place to store your shoes separately in a weekender bag. Mm -hmm. Also, it keeps your toiletries separate including your hairdryer. So just in case you're going to somewhere where you don't know if the hotel's going to have a hairdryer or it's going to be a hairdryer that rips all your hair out, had that happen too, you can pack it in the weekender bag. Every piece is made to look better with miles, so you really don't have to worry about it in cargo or overhead. And Base has over 30,000 five-star reviews. Oh my gosh. And whether you're packing for a quick trip or looking just to breeze through the security line, Base has your personal items completely covered. Right now, Base is offering listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com forward slash date dateline. That's B-E-I-S travel dot com slash date dateline for 15% off your first purchase. Get your travel basics covered. Thank you, base. You're our new base. Thank you so much. We are very excited. I love my base bag. So Kevin and Chris stay in touch after the murder until Chris gets married to a woman he met at the movies. No idea why we need to know that he met him at the movies, but this is a two-hour, so you get those kind of details, folks. Why aren't we told her name? No, but we know they met at the movies. So Chris and his wife, me, moved to another suburb, and he also took up running. His new neighbor, who we do meet and do get her name, but I didn't write it down because she's no Sally and no Kermit. The neighbor's name is Anna. She thought he seemed very sweet and helpful. We are still only getting the same three photos of Chris from the 90s. So that's all we get with from Chris. 20 years passed since the murder. Ke- that was, that's a lot. 20 years. That's a long time. Kevin is still obsessed. Kermit feels badly for him. I'm glad Kermit was stayed in his life. Kevin thought about talking to Bobby Joe, the computer guy, on his own. And his dad said, don't do it. Dad, who are you camping with? So he tells him it's dangerous. What are you going to do? Wear a wire and wind up on Dateline? Ha! Dateline, self-referential. Date, rock it off your bingo cards. Also, that's exactly what's going to happen. Kevin decides not to go see Bobby because he is like, okay, I won't do it. But then a cold case detective takes over. And she tells him it's Chris... And he says, no, it's the computer guy. He doesn't want to listen. But then she shows him Chris's interrogation tapes, which he had never seen before. And he says, I don't remember placing her in the closet, but you're saying I did it. So maybe I did it. And Kevin says, oh, my gosh, it's him. How would you not remember if you put her in the closet? Kevin doesn't know much about false confessions, it appears. So he, I don't think any of them watch TV. I don't think any of them watch I'm, TV. I'm not kidding. So he is convinced now that the man he had been defending all this time did it because of those vid- that video interrogation where he's in a trance. And he says he hit her and she hit her head even though she was strangled and the other things that don't make sense. And is the there fact that he wasn't seen? there at that time. He was at work at Home Depot. 
Oh, is he seeing something else in those tapes that's making him think he's guilty? I think just he just expected Chris to say, no, no, I didn't do it. Absolutely not. And instead, Chris always, is like, yeah, well, yeah. you told you said I had you have fingerprints. So maybe I did do something, but I'm I don't think I did like. But Chris is an odd bird. He I mean, is, I don't and know Kevin what knows else to this. say. Kevin grew yeah. up with him. He knows this is kind of how Chris seems to talk. So. It's str- it's strange, but this it's fully strange. changes Kevin's mind. So the detectives ask him to wear a wire and talk to Chris, and then later to go on Dateline. So it was totally a self-fulfilling prophecy. There you go. They go to lunch, but on the menu was deception. Remember when I said Mank would have better lines? Great line, Mank. Yeah. Also, good title. Great title. Deception on the menu. Mm-hmm. So... Chris orders the, again, we're getting things that we're only getting because it's a two-hour episode. Chris orders the grilled chicken salad. We get that because we get a lot of shots of it. I mean, I wrote it in B-roll because I was like, that is a lot of chicken on that salad. (laughs) Too much chicken. That is a mostly chicken hold the lettuce. It feels like there's, it's a chicken. It's a rotisserie chicken on top of three pieces of lettuce. Three pieces of lettuce. Mm -hmm. Kevin orders the gyro slash gyro. He says gyro. Dateline is really setting the stage. And if again, if this was a one hour, no. I wish one of them had said, I'll take the gyro salad deception on the side. There we go. Dressing and deception on the side. Yeah. So Kevin asks him more about that night, and Chris says he vacuumed and did laundry. And to police, he had just said, I noticed the apartment had been vacuumed, but he doesn't say he had vacuumed. But we don't actually hear that part of the interview. It's more like police are like, oh, it looks like it's been vacuumed. And Chris kind of said, yeah, I saw that. Or like maybe he just said, yeah. And so they thought he had noticed it. Like he never admitted that it was vacuumed. I don't know. It's very strange. Did he vacuum it? He's saying now, 20 years later, that he did vacuum. I don't even know if they fingerprinted the vacuum cleaner because they did not do a lot of things. Which Sorry, we'll is it to. possible that she vacuumed? I don't think she came home. She would have had ran a vacuum time to have had vacuumed in the middle of the day before when she was going to lunch with her friend. Well, maybe. we don't think anyone else vacuumed, right? So Chris Unless probably vacuumed. The killer vacuumed, but that. But if he's doing household likely. chores, if he's doing laundry and things yeah. like this, I think it seems plausible that he vacuumed. Also, he took a shower. He took a shower, did laundry, vacuumed, had the last A and W, and didn't three, need to go in the closet I mean, for four clothes. Crackers. He has a dresser? He had, he kept calling it her closet, which makes me think they had his and hers closets. Or he Ma- used no, a he hall used closet. Drawers. Or yeah, he, he used, used cupboards. Yeah. Not cupboards, drawers, something like that. Yeah. So Kevin says, I know you did it. And they, he thought, Chris thought they were just having like nice bonding time. And he says, no. And Kevin says, I saw the tapes. I know what you said. And Chris says, they interrogated me for three days. I hadn't slept. They had me thinking I did it, but it wasn't true. He says, I did not kill your mother. And also you're hearing waitresses in the background of the tape. You sure stuff. are it's clinking. It's so strange because yeah. people are just going about their lives and you you would look over and just see this like father son maybe just having lunch and you would never know they were talking about murder. It's so weird that all these things happen at restaurants in public places. It is weird. So Mank says he denied it politely in between bites of his grilled chicken salad. Maybe that's why we had to know what he ordered so that Mank could reference it later. So Kevin kind of gets 
angry, but even Kevin's angry is he's he it's clear that he was partially raised by Chris because he doesn't raise his voice either. Like there it's fairly calm. And he tells Mank he's like, he was insulting my intelligence and I didn't like that. So that's like as seething as Kevin gets. So then we learn that police really had been looking at Bobby Joe briefly. They had polygraphed him twice and he had shown potential deception. So this new cold case detective woman, since he, sorry, so they didn't really get anything out of this lunch because Chris just denies the whole thing. So the cold case detective drives to the prison where Bobby Joe is at, at a high security castle on a cloud. There is a castle on a cloud. It's a high security castle on a hill. And uh, so he says, oh, I might talk to you, lady detective. I feel like he called her lady detective. If this if the death penalty were off the table. So he like wants a deal of some sort. And then he would talk about Andrea. So they make a deal and he tells her, "Okay, I did it. He just tells her he says, I went to the apartment unannounced, we chatted, and I asked for a drink, and she brought me a root beer, which makes, I was immediately like, oh my God, you did do it, because Chris had said they had A&W in the fridge, Mm -hmm. and he took the last one later that night, so maybe, what's his face, Bobby Joe got the second to last A&W. Oh, see, I fully thought the other way, and was like, oh my gosh, he took the last root beer. He never had a root beer that (laughs) night. Chris is lying about the root beer. But why would he lie about the room? Why would he lie about the room? Sorry. So when she turned her back and he did know details that the police had not made public. He put her in the closet and then he took her car, but he had trouble with the clutch because he's never trained to go on the amazing race. And (laughs) so he abandoned the car. He wiped it down for fingerprints and he left. But then he says, bombshell, this wasn't my idea. It was the gentleman on the phone. So he says this man called him to ask about the computer and then asked him some personal questions about himself. We know he called about the computer. That is true. That is true. Then he, a few weeks later, this man, this gentleman called him again and said, I know who you are, Bobby Joe. I looked into your criminal history. He says, I didn't know the man's name, but he said he was an engineer. Does he work for Home Depot? And why? He says, I want you to come back to my apartment, take care of her. That lady that gave me the computer, Andrea, take care of her for me. And they said, how did you know what he meant? And he said, well, he said, don't use a gun. It's too loud. So I knew he meant kill her. And he'll give me $5,000. But it took him a while to get that out of him, what he meant. What he meant. Yeah. Which does track as Chris. Chris would talk to him for five months before ever getting to the point. He'd be talking to him about his grilled chicken salads. So he said he told me she'd be home after 1 p.m., which is true. And not everyone knew that she didn't have a full day at the library that day. The man said the money would be in the closet. So he went to look for the money and there was no money. So he took the coins and the roll of quarters and he would have found the guy and that stiffed him, this guy on the phone that didn't leave money for him, but he got arrested for attacking his wife. The fact that this criminal, professional criminal, career criminal, would accept the word of this man on the phone that he's never met, that he would leave $5,000 for him, and then like not go after him in a week, 
because he goes to apologize to his wife first. I feel like he would go for that guy the, the same day or the next day. And I don't feel like he would take that guy's word for it. Like he'd want money up front or something. But maybe he just really likes to attack women. So he, he does like doing clearly. it for free. He does like, like doing that. I'll do it for free. If you happen to leave money for me, fine. If not, no problem. The story is strange, but that's what police okay. think happened. So they arrange another sting where an undercover officer pretends to be Bobby Joe's relative showing up at Chris's house asking for the money that is owed to him. But the guy is so nice that it's like two nice men talking, like two awkward gentlemen talking with each other. And he's it's like, not great. it doesn't have to be right now, but if you could just maybe help us out with some money, that would be excellent. And Chris goes, this is all very strange. I don't owe him any money. It's like two nerds talking to each other. Why did they send that undercover cop guy? That was a mistake. I'm going to say I don't think that the undercover cop is the problem. So maybe he's just matching his energy. And so I think that what there's probably a lot of scenarios that are like, this is what he might say. You're like kind of prepped for this, this, this and this. But instead, Chris is giving sort of bizarre answers. Right. So, so the guy is like, thrown. He's just thrown. And yeah. I'd imagine the look on his face is concerned yeah and like i need to get out of here this yeah. isn't working maybe if not now that's okay i'm gonna go pull me out this isn't working <laughs> i want to go i gotta get out of here eggplant eggplant it's yeah, time exactly. to go the raven is crowing we have to <laughs> we have to move so chris does say i don't owe him anything i don't know what you're talking about but he doesn't say it very emphatically like what the f are you t i don't know that guy i didn't do, I didn't do arrange anything but that's not the way Chris talks. Like, we've never seen him talk like but that. But he also doesn't seem confused enough if he doesn't know what he's... Does he know who Bobby Joe is? Does yes. he have any... He does. Yes, because he's talked to Kevin a lot. And so Kevin had thought it was him for a long time. So right. he knows that he was the other suspect guy. You would still be confused if that person is asking you for money. Yeah, you'd be like, what? I don't know him, but this heart, Chris doesn't, Chris didn't sound right on the 911 call. Chris, so I can't tell if Chris just never sounds right or if that's just the way Chris talks because he's a little different. Really wish Chris would have talked talk to Dateline. Yeah, that would. But be I can nice. see why maybe he didn't. Yeah. So, and also he doesn't call the police, which Mank says I would call the police the second that person left and saying someone was just trying to shake me down for some money. So the police do a second sting, and this time they send a tough bad cop, and they send a burly six-foot-four officer who pretends to be Bobby Joe's brother. And Chris does not seem that intimidated, and he says, I don't know why you're here. And first of all, I need my lawyer, okay, in case you're from the police. And the guy's like, I have nothing to do with the police. I don't, I don't know the police. And Chris says, I never even heard of your guy until he was in jail. And so Chris is getting a little mad, like he's, he has an edge to his voice now, like he's finally found some guts. And he said, and the undercover cop says, you need to do a little more listening and less talking, okay? I feel like that sounds like a cop would say that. You need to do a little less talking and a lot more listening. It, that sounds like a it cop. It for sure sounds like a cop doing an interrogation. 100%. Which is bad because Chris had already said, unless you're, you might be from the cops. You might be from the Arlington I PD. need my mm -hmm. lawyer. He's already on to this whole thing. He's but, had two stings at this point. Two He's stings. on to this. Yeah. Because you know that Kevin told him, I'm wearing a wire. You yeah. know that he told him. Yeah. So he's already been stung multiple times now. Okay. So 
He says, I don't owe your brother anything. There was no agreement. How much money? And the undercover cop says, I don't know how much it was, but it must be pretty significant for me to, to for him to send me. And I was like, wouldn't the undercover cop know how much? Haven't you talked to your brother in jail? And your brother would say it was five grand. Also, I'm not a sting. I'm not a sting operator, but I feel like this is a really easy answer. And you say it's 30 grand. So you give Chris the chance to say it was five grand. You Ooh. blow it up and then get him to say it was less. You That's trick him by, smart. right? Come Very on. smart. Mm-hmm. Get with it, y'all. Yeah. Also, Chris is like, are you threatening me? If I don't pay you, you're going to do something. He's just like, just let's just put it out all out in the open. And I was like, Chris, you're supposed to play the dance a little bit more. He's just like, let's call it what it is. You're threatening me. <laughs> And I'm not going to fall for it. And the undercover cop goes, I'm not threatening you. I have no need to threaten you. I'm going to end this conversation. Because <laughs> again, he's like, you're being weird. He can't. Both of these cops are going back. And the other guy that did the sting is like, again. see, told, I told you. you. Told you. That's why I called it out. It messes with your mind. <laughs> you can't get in Chris's head. No. No one can get in Chris's no. head. So instead of calling the police, he calls his attorney who says, I'm sure this is a sting. Don't talk Another to them anymore. One. Yeah. Stop talking to and just don't talk to people on the street. Don't talk to anyone. But bottom line, police still have they need a motive for Chris. There's no life insurance. There's no big inheritance that he would have gotten. And they seemed happy together. Even Kevin, the son, says, I don't understand really what the motive says. And Chris or Josh Mank says he sounds Mank starts to sound very skeptical at this point. And he says, so we're supposed to believe that Chris is risking his entire life to hire a man he's never met and only spoken to on the phone to kill his girlfriend What's the motive? And Kevin says, well, my mom had been putting in money every month for that vacation home, like $250 every month so for several years. So Mank says, so we're talking about thousands of dollars, but not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I said, well, we're not all Rockefellers, Mank. To wow. some people, that's a lot of money. Wow. But sorry, what is this beach house? It's this beach house they're building and she was they were both building it together, like putting in the labor and she had put in half the money for it. So they were splitting it. And okay, that's all. And so but then the real possible motive is that Chris had been spending time and money on live camera sex chat rooms called the Intimate Friends Network, (laughs) because even when watching porn, these men are getting friend zoned. In the intimate friend network. (laughs) Also intimate, boo, don't like. So he was emailing with a lady that he talked to on there. And when she and that you would pay them $2 an hour and they would do whatever. I don't know. Talk to you, strip, whatever. So he was doing it on his with his own money on his own credit card. So this is not one of those datelines where he's racking up family debt. Again, they weren't even married. They didn't split their finances. Kevin thinks maybe my mom found out. And Mank says, so, okay, let's say she did perceive porn as infidelity. And she, Katie's gesturing. I'm not going to say what she's gesturing. So I'm saying, I don't know. I think they're just at different levels. And a chat room is, I don't know. I think every relationship is going to have different borderlines on this, yes, right? Yeah. So chat is maybe. for sure worse than watching a video. Some people are not even fine with watching a video. 
Sorry, and also the amount of money this is. So if you're looking at things that are $2 a minute and things like that, that's where your problem comes in. Because it's not renting a video for even for $20. It's much, much more than that. Mm -hmm. And they don't seem to be rolling in dough. Right. But again, they don't share their finances. It's his credit card. So yeah, that's true it's too. Not yeah, really so if- about the money. It, Kevin, the son, thinks it would be more about infidelity. She would break up with him, and Mank says, "Okay, so she would what? Break up with him? Throw him out? That's a reason to murder her?" And right. Kevin says, "Well, what if she said, I want my half of the beach house that's not built yet, and I'm gonna take you to court because I want my half." That does sound like something Andrea would do because she was taking her ex to court, but yep. Why would that be enough so he would kill her as opposed to like splitting this house that wasn't built yet? Here's the only problem with that is that we've seen stuff like this on Dateline all the time. We have where seen it's like, stuff. Why did you do this the most difficult way? Right. So we have seen that for stupid things. We have. You know, Mank says it's thinner than some motives I've heard, it, but maybe not the thinnest. It's not the thinnest. It's thin, but we've seen thin. So I don't. But again, from a couple that was otherwise happy and there had been no violence, we think, from Chris, who seemed very tame, did he finally snap? But then someone's going to say, if he was in these chat rooms all the time, was their relationship happy? Because why is he going to these? Well, he does say something to the cops. He says, it wasn't this like fiery passionate. It was comfortable. No, he said... Comfortable beginnings is what he called it because it's one of my titles. Comfortable like, beginnings. That was the saddest description I maybe ever heard. It just so it wasn't even hot at the beginning. It was comfortable at the beginning, and then maybe just so I convenience don't. friendship. Yeah. So also, but that leads me to think that maybe it would she wouldn't have minded that he's on the chats. That their right. relationship is a different kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. It's about companionship. But again, I would still be annoyed even if, he if was she's going to break up, money. he doesn't even want to be with her, maybe. And then she breaks up with him. That's not worth killing her. No, it's definitely it's not. It's really, if you're already kind of cheating with all these other women online. If that's what it if is. If that's yeah. what it is. Like, you don't want to be with her, but you don't want anyone else to have her. Chris doesn't sound like that kind of guy. He wasn't no, like, passionate no, or fiery about nor this. Nor does it seem like he'd be passionate about the beach house. I think he'd probably just let her have it. I think he would just let her have it. <laughs> yeah. Unless he had finally snapped. Maybe he had been passive for so long he had finally snapped. That's the only thing that makes sense to me because none of these make sense to me. But it doesn't matter anyways because none of the other parts of it line up. So it doesn't even matter that the motive doesn't line up. He was at work like... Well, but if he hired Bobby Joe, then his motive matters because that kind of lines up but it still doesn't totally check out to me that this criminal would just do it for this guy on the phone that he had never met and without any money exchanging hands and then wouldn't go after him it's a thin motive that gets even thinner when you put in like this the situational element of him hiring this person who he's never met and then why would chris have the balls to stiff this murderer he also doesn't how would he find out in 1998? How did he find out who Bobby Joe was? Um, we, that's a great point. That's one of Mank's tweets. So oh, it is? Yeah. So Mank says it's thinner than some motives I've heard, but prosecutors don't need a motive, and they get Bobby Joe and Chris indicted, and Chris is arrested. He still has that mustache, but it's all white now. And he's put on house arrest, 
And the neighbor feels so badly for him. She was the most extraneous interview for me, for sure, Anna. But she seems nice. I think we need someone on Chris's side. We have no one right, else on Chris's side. Right, his new wife is not on the episode. He's no. not on the episode. So Chris's trial starts. They play his 911 call and his false confession, which is so weird that they're play- the prosecution plays it. Look it, he's a liar. He even falsely confessed to us that he did the murder himself. It's a false confession, and they're saying he didn't do it himself. So why would they do it to show the tape of him saying he did it himself just to show that he's a liar? It's, it just it makes the police look mistake. like liars. It makes them look like they had tunnel vision. So anybody that would be evidence. suspecting... The only him. thing they should have done is played the 911 call and left it at that. Because if I was a jury member and I heard that 911 call, <laughs> that be, might, sw- yeah. you know, that mm-hmm. alone with none of the other stuff. Yeah. They may have gotten a different verdict, honestly. Yeah. Mank is baffled that the prosecutors played the tape of them getting a false confession. Matt Murphy would never. No. <laughs> so what, maybe, so the confession, the confession just shows the police are liars. And basically tricked Chris. Maybe Chris is a liar, but they definitely are. Like, Mm -hmm. you're trying to say he's a liar, but that literally shows you lying about evidence. So then Bobby Joe testifies against Chris. How he's the gentleman on the phone and the gentleman caller. I have a gentleman caller coming. Gentleman callers. And told him that she'd be home in the middle of the day, which only a few people would know. Maybe Chris would know. Maybe a couple friends, the friends she was having lunch with. Maybe her coworkers at the library would know that she was not working a full day. Bobby Joe says the phone number that called him was the same number on the caller ID as when Andrea called him about the computer. So the defense is so happy that the prosecution showed the confession. They said it was like a Christmas gift to them. And then the ex-detective, Jim Trainum actually did testify on these techniques of how they got this false confession and how he's saying things like, did I push her? Did I hit her? Like he's at, he doesn't know. He's at literally asking. Right. And saying, I must have put her in the closet. But the way he's talking. The language he's using. But this is all moot and irrelevant because they aren't saying he did the murder directly anyways. It keeps getting confusing in my head because that's not what, it's hard to figure out what we're proving. Right. Where where are we? You're You're just proving that he was willing to be tricked by the police. So- I don't consider that a lie. If you get to a false confession, it's you're getting tricked. So police never tested the contents of the vacuum bag that they say was used to clean up a crime scene. So why didn't you test what was in the bag? So, So they didn't do the best job preserving evidence. They, the defense says Bobby Joe just wanted a better deal in prison. He wanted off that mountain, that cat, that, Wallen's Ridge is a very hard prison, apparently, the Castle on a Cloud prison, and he Mm -hmm. wanted out of there. So that's why he was doing this. The cold case. But they didn't promise him that, but that's okay. They just, yeah, they said they would help him out, but not, they didn't, they said no death penalty for sure. So then we hear the cold case detective, and she's the one who mentions murder for hire to Bobby Joe first before he said anything. She said but just in passing. Yeah, she goes, I've had murder for hire cases recently and they'll take the death penalty off the table. And then he comes oh. and says, oh, it was murder for hire. The husband hired the boyfriend hired me. So mm. she mentioned it first. 
Then Bobby Joe's ex-wife testifies that they didn't have caller ID in 1998. And so when he says that it was coming from the same number, he couldn't have known that. The defense says Bobby Joe was staking Andrea out like he had done with other women. And it wasn't that Chris told him she'd be home early that day. He was watching her. So Hmm. the defense says, why would this career criminal trust a man on the phone that he's never met? Yeah, sure, I'll kill her. Just leave the money for me. It's fine. In a shoe. In a shoe, in a closet. I don't need to be paid anything in advance. It's fine. They also say he had assaulted women for free, so he didn't really need to be paid. Right. The jurors deliberate, and we're meeting the foreman, so mark it off your bingo cards. They wonder, how would Bobby Joe know she would be home that day? Well, they've said that he was maybe stalking her. Why would he make it up? Well, he wanted a deal, and I don't think he's a very honorable person anyways. Uh-huh. How did Chris walk past the closet several times without seeing her? That's a good one. That's a great point. Chris's motive, though, is not that solid. So they only deliberate for less than an hour, which is not enough time. That's crazy to review all that evidence and all those witnesses. That's crazy. And they find him not guilty. And Sally, who is not Kermit, but also lovely, agrees that they did not have enough time, but still not guilty. And some of the jurors go so far as to say they don't even think this should have been brought to trial. They do not know why they're there. I was actually surprised when the grand jury indicted. Yeah. I thought they were going to have a harder time, and I was like, really? Yeah. I know you don't need a motive, but uh, you you should have a better motive. And all you have is the word of this criminal, who we know probably did it. Who does this exact crime anyways for free. So for free, yeah. Yeah. It's not great. Prosecutors and police decline to appear on Dateline, but they appreciate Dateline's interest in the case. That was saucy, Josh. Josh, I loved that. You see exactly what's happening here. Yep, loved it. He says, they don't want to answer questions on why this case was brought or how they missed such an obvious suspect at the beginning because they had cleared Bobby Joe many times for many years. Yeah. Kevin says, I don't blame the police anymore. I think the cold case detective was heroic. He doesn't need a guilty verdict to know what happened, but he accepts the results. But he still fully believes that Chris did it. There's something in him that's telling him that Chris was involved, and I don't know what it is. But the same thing was telling him for 20 years that he wasn't. What I think it is is that he doesn't really have a relationship with Chris anymore, and he's forgotten how Chris is. Yeah. So when he saw this video, it shocked him. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think he kind of can't get past it. Because he had lost contact with Chris. That's true. Correct. Yeah. Chris tells Cam, although we've seen people that were in denial and, you know, were wrong to be in denial. Like, the person totally did it. So True. I can true. see it. I, is he in denial that Chris didn't do it, or is he in denial that Chris did it? So Chris tells cameras as he's walking by, he's relieved, but he's still sad that she's gone. That's always a good answer. Don't act too happy. You always got to throw in, they're still gone. I lost the love of my life or something. Throw And they rarely do. They rarely remember to do that because they're so wrapped up in their own trial. So that's just a little tip from us to you. He writes a letter to Dateline saying, Arlington made up their minds about this case that night. They drove a wedge between me and Andrea's family. That he didn't do it. He hired a civil attorney and plans to sue for false arrest and prosecution. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Bobby Joe got a second life sentence because he was already serving one for the 13-year-old girl. He has a second life sentence for Andrea. He told a judge 
I killed a woman who was nothing but nice to me. And he didn't get any way off of that mountain. That castle on a cloud, he's still there. Yeah. He's Cosette. He's so not. You got Stop nothing, that. buddy. Stop that. Kevin wants to be remembered as a dedicated and relentless son that was dedicated to finding out the truth. And Mank says, I think that already is your reputation. And it was very nice. Even though I don't know if I agree with Kevin, I admire what he did. Yeah. He did get this ball rolling. For sure. Yeah. So do you think Chris didn't do it? I think he did not. Interesting. I don't think he I don't think he hired him. No. Yeah. I'm leaning towards that as well. But jo- prove me wrong if you have something. No. Joni. I, love it. I don't know if Joni can change your mind. I just can't get over last night's dateline. I think that Chris was involved, but they didn't have enough proof. Also that Bobby Joe lied about a phone call from him, etc. I can't get this off my mind. She thinks what was that sentence? She thinks he was involved because she doesn't know if Bobby Joe is lying. But they, she thinks they didn't have enough proof to find him guilty. But it's yeah, chilling. it could be that, could be that as well. I'm just, I'm you. Usually, I'm more in the middle, but I'm sort of leaning. 90% I'll read you Manx's tweets. Involved. Yeah. So Natalie Bannon, our beloved Natalie Bannon, says, "So in the end, we're all going to feel bad for making fun of his stash, huh? Is that what you're getting at?" And it's because we had all maybe been judging silently Chris's mustache the whole time. I and was not. I, wa- I was just wondering, because that's all we saw of him, like these old photos. And I was like, does he still have a stash? What does he look like now? I was just wondering. And Mank says, mm-hmm. He just wrote, mm-hmm. So we are going to feel that. And then Daisy said, so what are you saying? That you don't think Chris is guilty? And Mank says, I'm saying the only case against him relies almost completely on the word of a confessed killer. No evidence supports that. He's not wrong. He's there not is wrong. no evidence that's not one piece. And Denise says, how would Chris have known about his past and that he would be open to doing something like this? And Josh says, the allegation is he found it out all online. Not sure how possible that was in 98. So that was not your question. possible. And then Lama says, why run the risk of not paying a dangerous, violent criminal the money that you had promised them? Leonard said the only reason he didn't go after Chris for payment is because he got arrested, which makes Chris the luckiest mope on the planet. Like, he didn't know he was going to get arrested for assaulting his wife. Why would he just stiff this violent criminal murderer? He wouldn't. That's so dumb. Does that seem like Chris at all? No. Yeah. And Mank says yes. And Mank says, very hard to see how Chris could put together 5K in cash. There we go. And he'd hire a killer he never met. Also, the very essence of murder for hire is that you don't find the body. And someone said, what do you mean? You wouldn't find the body ever? And he's like, no, you won't find the body. And Mank says... The body um, is gone. uh, Yeah. And he says, the idea is the person paying the bill for the hit isn't even a suspect because they're somewhere else with a lot of witnesses. So you put yourself in a different state if you can, if you're hiring somebody. And he was the only suspect for a long time. He found the body and he found the car. So he hired someone, but then put him right himself right there as a suspect, which is the opposite of what you do in a murder for hire. Correct. So it Mank seems to have some really good points. I don't see. I'm curious why Joni thought. 
It's Joni. You never know what she's going to think. That he was involved. I just kind of don't see it on this one. I think that there's some stuff that's strange, but I think that's maybe just who he is. If we're all, not all convicting on behavior alone, which we're trying not to, like personality well, we alone, right. because people are different, right? then there's nothing. Right. So what Except would you- for maybe that Chris knew or Bobby Joe knew he was she was home that day. But if he was watching her, that's pretty easy to see that her car is there. Maybe he Or he went literally... to break in. He wanted to rob the house. He wasn't going to kill her, but then she was there, so he killed her. Was he also maybe just driving by? Yeah. And saw that her car was there in the middle of the day, and he's like, oh. Yeah. Let's see what's going on. Yeah. And then decided to do it. It could be just a complete random chance. Mm-hmm. He had already know. been in that neighborhood once before with trash masters, trash whatever. Is that like 1-800-JUNK? Yeah. Junk men? Except hmm. the dudes that work at trash masters are trash. Yeah, that's scary. I don't like that because I like the idea of 1-800-JUNK calls your junk away. But Maybe they vet people. I doubt it, though. I doubt it. Just be that's... careful. Have a neighbor with you if you're inviting someone into your house, ladies So men. we get a pretty clear idea of what Mink thinks on this, then. He seemed very clear in his text without ever saying it. He seems like he's pretty much saying it's it. It's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with him. I agree. I don't think it's, I don't think it's logical. It yeah. doesn't make sense. On You have to stretch really far. Really on, far. To get it. Yeah. So B-roll bonanza. Yeah. So much swimming, a lady swimming, mm-hmm. Andrea in an old photo with a Maltese, lots of Maltese's mm-hmm. or one Maltese, Kevin running, so much Kevin, running. Kevin doing everything. Kevin running, Kevin going through paperwork. Kevin driving. Driving. Kevin Kevin's looking through the biggest photo album I've ever seen. Staring off a balcony into space. <laughs> Sitting on a couch next to a bed, which I thought maybe had a studio apartment, but then later we see a bedroom. I can't figure out the layout of oh, his apartment, and it was freaking it's me mine. out. It's mine. It's mine. It, no, you don't have a bed in your living room. No, I have. There a, like there's a, a wall that separates it. Maybe someone's staying with him. I couldn't figure it out. Anyways, and I didn't know why they were showing it in the shot. Dateline. <laughs> Did you see the ghost door opening? No. They're doing that shot where it's like they're in the old apartment now owned by someone else, Andrea and Chris's old apartment, and all of a sudden the door just opens. <laughs> but you don't see a hand move. Yeah, you don't yeah. see, And I'm always like, how are they doing? Do they have like a stick and they're poking it? How are they getting the door to move? But is it one of those POV shots where it's like the yes, camera? Yes, it's yeah. just the camera and the door just opens. They do opens. a lot of those. They do like yeah. a, someone is like on their hands and knees doing a point of view shot like and it's like so it's like insidious. Like someone's like crawling yes. down the hallway like a demon. Yes. So I don't weird. know about those. I don't know how I feel it's about It's so weird. Those. Chinese chicken or chicken salad. Chicken salad. So with much chicken. No chi- with almost no salad. Um, also, Howard and Kevin get joint B-roll on a bench. Kevin and his yeah, dad. Yeah, that's cute. I'm glad he's I, close to his dad. I am too. Even What's though I still wonder who his dad was camping with and if there's witnesses. Wow. Well, I just, Maryland is within a few hours drive from... So it's not implausible he could have driven and driven back. Who's in Maryland? He was camping in Maryland. She lives in Virginia. These are the only states I know that are close to each other because I grew up in Virginia. Now, I don't know where in Maryland he was camping. We just know it was rural. He does have the best motive. He has the best motive. It was going to delay his retirement. What if he hired Bobby Joe? I don't know how he would have met him. There's no connection there. They never even spoke on the phone, but... 
What if Bobby Joe is literally just doing all of this to try to get his prison situation changed? This is all made up. Bobby Joe didn't actually do it. You think he's admitting to another murder to get leniency because he's already, but he's already serving a life sentence. Oh, so he would just say he did it, but because it doesn't matter if you get another life sentence, you're already no, doing a life sentence. No, it doesn't matter. He's not getting out. So just so get, you can give me as many life sentences as you want, but at a better prison, some perks. Mm-hmm. No death penalty. Sure, I'll confess to this other. No, but he knew things that they had not released. They That's said. true. Yep, you're right. Yeah. And Absolutely. the A&W. <laughs> Don't forget. Yeah. Don't forget the A&W. Does Kevin kind of look like Sam Rockwell? Yes. I okay, can great. see that. Sure. Good. Um, Josh is in a gingham shirt. Gingham. Gingham. And a pinstripe suit. Check. Not at the same time. What do you got titles? I'm ready. Do you have anything else? Um, Swimming with sharks. Yep, I wrote that as well. So ding, 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 double title. You wrote that too? Really? I did. Mm -hmm. Howard's End, which I already used. Mm -hmm. Grilled chicken salad, a deception on the menu. No, I don't like that. Three stings and a funeral. We didn't really see a funeral. It doesn't really make sense. There's no place like Home Depot. That doesn't also make sense. Home Depot, Home Nightmare. No, I got nowhere. I got nowhere, but I did the recap. So you don't need to get anywhere. What about reading the room? What about crime in a vacuum? Oh, what about I like Pampered by the truth. <laughs> what about I can be your Yiro baby? <laughs> That's what I got. That's about all I got. But my main title was hold on. I wrote it much earlier. Hold on. Hold on. It's gonna I can't be, worth be it. your Yiro, Yiro baby. baby. I got it. I got it. I got it. No, I didn't write a title, but I had a really clever one. Dang it, it was about Lester. Lester is in a blatant blue hanky. Yeah, Lester blatant. is giving me a giant middle finger. He goes, Kimberly's mental health? F it. It's blatant and it's up. Yeah. It's up and very Yeah, in your it's face. right in my face. Yeah. It might as well say face on it. Yeah. Like it's Kimberly's. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry he's doing that <laughs> to you. I'm doing twice a week appointments with the therapist because of Lester and his hanky. So you should send him the bill. Thank you, everyone. We so appreciate you. Follow us on social media. Check out our Patreon because we just solved D.B. Cooper. Basically, it took us two months and we solved a 50 year case. So thanks. Go to our Patreon and Supercast. Check it out. Also, we wore disguises the whole time. Please, if you're at the $10 level, do not post any pictures of our disguises because we want me. That's just for you guys. Why not? You did post it on Patreon for people that couldn't see it, right? Just the audio, not the photos. Oh, you should post a photo. You think? Okay, I'll it's post it for Patreons and Supercasters, but you have to join to see the photos. Nobody posts them on social media. They need to understand Crystal, the hair. Yeah, the hair. That, which was you. Yeah. And I'm Rick, who was yeah. me with the beard and in sunburn. <laughs> so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. We appreciate you. We really do appreciate all of you for listening. And also read. Every time I hear that, read like, a book someone's... for Andrea. Oh, I'll, I, that's what I was going to say. In honor of Andrea, we're going to do our book club again for Patreon and Supercast. And I already have a book planned. So I was hoping we were going to do it again because yeah. I've been enjoying that. Yay! That was fun. So join us for our next book club. Hooray! Yay! Thank you. Read everybody. a book this week. Yeah. Thank Bye, you, everybody. Bye. Thank you. So the episode that Dateline did yesterday well sorry we record this on saturdays was the second master bob dungeon episode and coincidentally cam had reached out to me 
last week and said, I'm thinking of doing a new animatrix or whatever he calls those funny things he does. Mm-hmm. And but it's it's from the Master Bob case, but it's from our Patreon version. So which was called Sex in the Suburbs. So that was the OG Master Bob episode that we only did for Patreon. It happens to be one of Cam's favorite episodes. So he just did a new animation for that. He also tells me how I misunderstood what BDSM stood for and was guessing the most random things. And it's really embarrassing. Like I thought the B standard for bisexual, but I think I must have been kidding because that can't be right because I know what... I, co- I must know. Did you several years said, ago? He said, yes, it was several years ago. And then he said, I was guessing a lot of really random stuff that were definitely jokes. So maybe it was a half joke. Anyways, he says the episode is great and worth joining Patreon to listen to. And he did a new bit that's on our social media. But it just was a full coincidence that Dateline aired the second Master Bob episode, which we did for our main feed called Sex, Lies and Murder. Mm-hmm. which was the update Master Bob episode, which Mary Payne would not stop texting us about last night, even after we told her, we're not covering it. We've already covered it. Also, by the way, if you haven't seen the Master Bob episode that we're talking about, y- you should definitely watch it. The, the repeat that happened on Friday with Dennis. Mary Payne just kept going, why does he have dandruff? What is happening? It's such a, a sensational episode that I asked Kimberly if we should do it again. Yeah, we, if we still should repeat could. it. We totally could. What I'm considering is that maybe we should do the Patreon. We should do a wide release and re-record that if that would be okay with our yeah, with our Patreon fun. supercast folks. Because if you did indeed not know what the B was for, we need to. We got to redo. <laughs> we got to redo it. I'm we got to so start embarrassed. over. Yeah, we need to start over. We gotta do that again. Yeah, it's a classic. It's a it, that was a it really instant. is Dennis Murphy in a sex dungeon. There need we say more. You know how I feel about change. Did you, you love think change? It, did and you think you it was take, me? I would think Katie's the Katie would walk into my apartment and see change on the table and be like, "Can I just have this?" And I I'd be like, "What? You do you need money? Like you want my money?" And she'd say, "Well, it's just change." And I'd say, well, but it's money. Like, it's it's money. Are you just asking, like, acknowledge that you're just asking me if you can just have my money. Do you want me to open my wallet and give you cash the as well? The thing was, <laughs> I thought that at some point that would work. That at some point. <laughs> say this sometimes. But I need you to acknowledge Sometimes people go, asking. oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but you were on to me. Well, because I, I know like you it. just want it to do, do the slots. I do, well, I can't do the slots in LA, but I, I do like change. I know. I do find it very fun. Dirty money face, uh, which I'm I sure like we've change. talked about. I also Patreon. find rolling rolling change. I need to maybe do that again. I haven't done it in a while. Yeah, it's calming. Like it's a that. nice activity. Yeah. It's a fun yeah. activity. And then when you're done with it, like Coinstar is the best. Coinstar, Coinstar when you're hungry. right? Yeah, but if you have enough, you can get enough to make it through a week. If you have like enough gathered change at Coinstar, you yeah, can do okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. I should do mm-hmm. that. I yeah, actually do have some bags of change. So, or you could just go to Vegas with me. You can take your pick. You can lose it all in the bingo hall, or you can buy some groceries, buy some fancy cheese. There is a new hypnosis documentary show that I'm obsessed with. A principal hypnotized a bunch of students at his school because he thought he was helping them, and then they started killing themselves. And he is on trial for like all this stuff, but he doesn't think he did anything wrong. It's fascinating. Is that in America? 
Yeah, it was in Florida. What's it called? Uh, it's called True Crime Story, colon, Look Into My Eyes. And it's four we parts. We will be covering this on Patreon? I, could, I would 100% cover it on Patreon. Great. It's so interesting. If we're not going to cover Natalia Grace, we'll have to cover that. Which, by the way, I we made all We are covering our- Natalia Grace as soon as her interview comes out. And I want to do a big joint thing it's, with all of our podcasts. I friends. think it's in July. I thought I read that. I'll confirm. Okay, I'm excited. I thought it was going to come in July. Um, I've also been doing a lot of outside stuff on that. Um, and I made Oliver watch it. Okay, good. Maybe Oliver can great. come on. I want to do an extravaganza. It's good to see someone's reaction who came in like, I came in cold too, but I do more in true crime than he does. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to know mm-hmm. what he thought. He's not a talkative person. And he had a lot of questions. <laughs> Interesting. 